Are you seeing your prayers move mountains? Over the course of my life, God has been teaching me how to pray, what to pray, and some of the most crucial elements of prayer that have radically changed my life forever. This is Evangelist Caleb Wampler, and I've decided to put together this into a seven-day free devotional in the hopes that Christians worldwide will see the breakthroughs as I have. To download this free devotional, go to kingdomencounters.us slash free. Again, kingdomencounters.us slash free. Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm going to run the same podcast on my Strang Report, as well as my God and Cancel Culture. And what happened is my good friend, Ryan Howard, invited me to be a guest on his podcast called Faith at Work. It's a rapidly growing podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. And Ryan approached me about doing an interview. With each of the books I write, I do quite a bit of media. And you know that often I will share it after the fact with my listeners. And so I think you'll enjoy this. His podcast, which will run on his Faith at Work podcast, which I encourage you to listen to and subscribe to on the various platforms, but especially the Charisma Podcast Network. But it's 51 minutes long, and so we found a breaking part, and I'm actually making this into two podcasts. So what you're going to hear is Ryan Howard's podcast with him interviewing me. We kind of talk like two friends, and then we get into what's going on in America, and we talk about cancel culture. I think that you'll find our conversation very interesting. And then you can come back and listen to the second half of it later. So without further ado, here is my interview with Ryan Howard of Your Faith at Work podcast. Welcome to this Strang Report with Stephen Strang, the founder of Charisma. This podcast is to encourage you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and to discuss spiritual issues facing the church, our nation, and the world. On this episode, I'm interviewing the owner and CEO of Charisma Media, Steve Strang. We talk about his book, God and Cancel Culture. We got a lot to cover, and we talk about the roots of cancel culture. We talk about what it is ultimately leading to, which is communism, and why that's the case. And we talk a lot about what God is doing in this time and why we should have hope and why we need to be standing strong with our Christian biblical convictions. You're not going to want to miss this, so let's get into it right now. This is Your Faith at Work, the show that helps you get your faith out of the church and into the world. God is on the move right now in the marketplace and culture through people just like you. You were created for influence and impact. Let's take your faith to the next level. Learn more at ryanshoward.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ryan S. Howard. Well, welcome to Your Faith at Work. I'm Ryan Howard, and I've got a very special guest with me today, Steve Strang, who is the owner of Charisma Media. He has published more than 2,000 books, including popular authors like Jonathan Kahn and John Hagee. And uh, he hosts The Strang Report, which has millions of downloads. He's authored seven books. He's been featured in nearly every Christian media outlet. He's been on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. He's interviewed four U.S. presidents, and he was named 
by Time Magazine as one of the top 25 most influential evangelicals in America. And I'm happy to say he's a mentor of mine and a friend as well. So, Steve, welcome to Your Faith at Work. Well, thank you, Ryan. I'm happy to be with you. And um, I don't know if people know that you are from central Iowa, but uh, I grew up there as a kid. So not many people know that. I actually lived just south of Waterloo, which is not too far from you. Yeah. And that was uh, how, sort of how we had met was I had reached out to you uh, when I ran for the Iowa House in 2020. And you had a connection. Believe it or not, that town you lived in was in the district I was running in. <laughs> I know, small world. And of course, you didn't contact me for that reason. You didn't know that. But I I run into very few people from Iowa and even fewer people from Waterloo. And uh, so that was just an interesting coincidence. You know, over time, I've had, you know, connections with lots of people in lots of ways, but we've become friends since then. And I'm just so proud of the job you're doing. I think uh, your faith at work is important. We're glad to have it on the Charisma Podcast Network. And, um, you know, even though you didn't win that race, you didn't lose it by very much. But, uh, you know, I just admire so much that you stood up and wanted to be counted and wanted to give leadership to the your constituents there in Iowa. And I, you know, of course, you got to do what you feel is important and how you feel the Lord is leading. But I hope you run again. Yeah, well, we will see what God has planned. But I definitely agree. I mean, we need we need Christians to be influencing. And that's sort of what we're going to be talking about today and uh, stepping up for that. And God, you know, my wife and I really enjoyed running for office. We certainly learned a lot and we'll, we'll see what God has planned in the future. So I want to talk today about you've got a book that was published in 2021 called God and Cancel Culture. Stand strong before it's too late. And uh, there's so much for us to unpack here. Uh, but before we get into that, maybe just get us up to date on what you're working on now, what we're going to see coming from Charisma and, and the magazine and, and Charisma Plus and all that. What are you working on now? Well, you know, Charisma Media is a lot more than just my my uh, podcast, which is now up to 16 million, which is a lot of people. But you know, there are podcasts in the country that are bigger, although I'm pretty sure mine is would be in the top few percent. Um, the biggest thing that we're doing this year is the release of Jonathan Kahn's new book called Return of the Gods. It'll be out uh, September 6th, the day after Labor Day. It's absolutely his most explosive book. Um, he uh, God has revealed to him some mysteries that he'll be unpacking. The uh, he's going to be on several programs between now and September 6th. Sid Ross is Supernatural, Jim Baker show. He's going to be on Voice with Jonathan Burnus. I know those three for sure. And then after the book comes out, he'll be on a lot more media. We expect a lot of buzz about the book. Um, I'd encourage people to go ahead and buy it ahead of time. It, it won't be released they can buy it from mycharismashop.com which is our uh you know our own direct to consumer site but also christianbook.com and amazon.com are the two biggies barnesandnoble.com you can pre-order it and that's very important because um it gets a momentum going and every one of his books has been on the New York times. And we expect this to be on the New York times bestseller list 
too. And that's not necessarily the goal, of course, but it just recognizes uh, how many people resonate to this book. We have already, we have um, several hundred thousand books ordered by the book big booksellers that will be on the shelves September 6th. And that shows a lot of interest on their part. Of course, they've done very well with this book. Maybe I'm giving you too much inside baseball <laughs> stuff about publishing, but this is big. And I'm being a little bit discreet about what the book says. I have read it, of course. In fact, I was with Jonathan Kahn only a couple of days ago going over a lot of these details. Uh, he has got a burning passion to get the word out. So do we. That is absolutely the biggest thing we're doing. And then almost as big is the book Harbinger Things to Come, which is a documentary basically on his most recent book that came out about a year and a half ago called Harbinger 2. And it was a Fathom event on May 12th. It was the number two movie in the country for that day. It was a Thursday. Only Doctor Strange was bigger on that particular day. It was so popular, they ran it a second time. It was the biggest Fathom event of 2022. Um, and it is powerful. And there's an anointing on it. And in some theaters, which were very, very full, in fact, a lot of theaters opened a second screen because, you know, the first one sold out. It was almost like revival broke out. People wanted to pray and praise the Lord. Uh, and uh, you don't see many movies like that in theater. Uh, as we're recording this podcast, uh, Salem Now has an exclusive for streaming. Uh, Liftable TV will have an exclusive. And then it'll be more widely distributed, including the DVD, up in September. This is a powerful documentary. It's the kind you want not only to watch, but let other people watch because, you know, God is saying something to America with all this mess that's going on. In fact, Return of the Gods, a new one, helps explain why all of this stuff that we never thought would happen is happening and what it means and what God's plans and purposes are. So that's the biggest thing we're doing. Meanwhile, I'm working on my next book, which, which will come out next May. That seems like an eternity, but it'll be here faster than you think. And it's going to be different than my last few books. Um, it's going to be more in line with uh, the purpose of Charisma Magazine, which is, um, in fact, next week. Of course, I know people listen to podcasts for a long time, but in early August, in fact, August 5th, Charisma will celebrate its 47th anniversary. Um, a lot of people don't know we've been around that long, but we have. I mean, we when I started Charisma, the personal computer was not yet available. Um, and of course, it was, you know, a couple of decades before the Internet was out. A lot has changed since then, but Charisma has always been the magazine about spirit-led living. That was a little catchphrase we put on our first issue, and we have used it in various ways over the years. And, you know, God is doing a lot in the world. There is a strong spirit-filled community. It's a minority, of course, of the population, but um, 
In fact, I was just reading a scientific report that's just come out about the population. And there are 21 million people who have claimed to have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who are trying to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, experiencing the gifts in various ways. There are a lot of different kinds of churches and so forth. I was re- It was very, very interesting. In fact, we will be reporting on it. But, you know, there's a lot of us out there. It's just that the culture has become more and more ungodly and unfriendly to Christians. Sometimes we feel like we're out there all by ourselves, but that's not really true. So my new book, and I, this may be the first time I've announced it, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's not really a point in talking about it that early, but it's called Spirit-Led Living in an Upside-Down World. And it's that we've got to live by the Spirit of God to even survive. We can also be happy and have good lives, um, uh, you know, when we're living by the Lord. And to some extent, we can ignore all that's going on. But also, we have power to stand up to all this mess and to yep. believe God to help turn some of it around. I mean, I'll look at it from a lot of different angles. It'll be, a, as I referred to, it'll be a much more spiritual book. I wrote four books on Donald Trump. Um, they were very well received. It, uh, a lot of those media interviews that you mentioned were about my Donald Trump books because there was so much interest in Donald Trump, of course. In fact, the president himself held up the book at the World Economic Summit Somebody who was attending, who was reading it, uh, handed him her copy to autograph. And while the cameras were all around, somebody, I guess somebody must have asked him to hold it up, um, which he did. And of course, everybody was putting it on social media. Um, you know, so great never shot. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's a great shot. Good, good picture. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was just a, a blessing from the Lord. I mean, they didn't do it as publicity. We had nothing to do. In fact, somebody said, how did you get him to do it? I said, we had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. It was just one of those serendipity things that happened. Yeah. And, um, but I just felt that after uh, Biden was inaugurated and all that mess happened on September 6th, I, I just sort of didn't want to go there, but I knew that I had to, comment on what's going on and so that's when i wrote god and cancer culture and really i used i could have called it god and uh being woke or god and uh the upside down world you know but yeah cancer culture has been around in fact i've been uh invited to speak at clay clark's reawaken america the ones that he puts on with general um Flynn, and he has speakers like Mike Lindell and uh, Eric Trump, and it's been kind of neat to share the same stage. Of course, he's got lots of speakers, and he always has me speak on cancer culture. I think I've been to six or seven of his events, and you know, I say that cancel culture's always been around. The Roman Empire tried to cancel the cancel Christianity. Of course, they were unsuccessful. The Roman Empire is long gone, and Christianity is still here, of course. Um, And there's always been a struggle against good and evil. And even as a charismatic Christian who believes in the fullness of the spirit, there are people in the church that try to cancel us. You know, over the years, 
there's certain Christian bookstores where the owner did not agree with speaking in tongues or whatever and wouldn't carry our books or other books mm. on similar topics. That is a type of cancel culture. Yeah. It's hard to sell books if you can't get them on the shelf. Right. Of course, they weren't nasty in the same way that people are nasty today. But, you know, it's not all bad news. In fact, I try to end on a, uh, on a, on a, uh, I can't even think what I want to say on, I want to end with hope um, because there is hope. There's always hope. And there are good things happening. I go into a lot into all the mess about cancel culture with COVID. In fact, to me, the real thing that happened with COVID was that there were a lot of leftist uh, officials in our country who actually tried to shut down the church. And, um, you know, they used a pandemic as an excuse but my, I say it's a pandemic today. What's it going to be tomorrow? And they found out how passive Christians and churches would be to go along with it. Now, at first, we were told that there were going to be millions and millions of people die. It's sad that anyone died. But people die of the flu every year. Not as many. And it's not played up in the same way. Uh, you know, the uh, people dying of disease and different things is just part of life. We found out pretty soon that most people, uh, you know, survive COVID. I had COVID in December of 2020. It was a relatively mild case. Um, it, to me, it was not a whole lot worse than the flu. Uh, I've had several friends and, in, in fact, one former staff member who, who've died of COVID. I don't want to take it lightly. But in California in particular, which was the worst, but it was many states as well, uh, the governor said that people could not go to church. And if they did go to church, there could only be like maybe 10 or 25 people there and they couldn't sing, et cetera, et cetera. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, I, I do a deep dive into that story. I tell about Che on with uh, his Harvester Church in Pasadena, where the city of Pasadena even went beyond Gavin Newsom and put a $1,000 fine per person if they attended church per service. So if 100 people attended a service, that would be $100,000 in fines. People came from other states to stand with him. A lot of people finally got a backbone and stood up to the government. Our constitutional rights do not go away when there is uh, an emergency. They just don't. And the irony with Gavin Newsom in California is they allowed people in Hollywood in theaters to sing and dance and do all that kind of stuff, but you couldn't sing in church. They allowed, they allowed liquor stores and marijuana dispensaries to stay open as well as, as grocery stores and Walmart and all that kind of stuff. But if you went to church, you were going to be a super spreader. But if you went to marijuana dispensary, apparently you weren't going to get COVID. I mean, it defies common sense and logic. And thankfully, the Supreme Court struck it down. And thankfully, life is more or less back to normal. But these, these forces are going on, and many of them are anti-God. And when you drill down, a lot of this mess on the left is really socialism or 
some kind of American form of communism. They don't like to use the term because it's still an unpopular term, but a lot of these people believe in what Karl Marx said, and they're trying to impose it. And sh- and uh, communism is always atheistic, is always totalitarian, and we are seeing a form of totalitarianism in our country that we've never seen before. We, I don't think it's too late, but people have to stand up. They, and that was part of why I wrote the book, was Christians have to stand up. Non-Christians are not going to stand up for our Christian values. They think, well, that's just too bad. You know, they got to live with it. We all have problems. Um, the press uh, stands up for freedom of the press. I'm, I, I, I'm a member of the press. I was got a degree in journalism. I believe in freedom of the press. But the press sticks up for freedom of press. The Christians and churches have got to stand up for religious liberties. And thankfully, we've got a number of organizations that do that. Liberty Council uh, in uh, Central Florida, not far from where I am. Kelly Shackelford, uh, Jay Sekulow and his American Center for Law and Justice. There's a, a number of groups, very good groups that are standing up, doing a lot, defending our rights in the court. Uh, now that we have some Supreme Court justices who actually believe in the Constitution and what it says and does and believes that you just can't make up rights out of thin air and say they're in the Constitution, um, you know, at least there's some hope. And uh, so that's why I wrote the b- book. And I hope that's why people want to buy it. It's still out there. It's still for sale. In fact, uh, this podcast with you is one of my first efforts to sort of relaunch the book basically a year after it came out. Um, I want to I want to give it another real thrust because I think the message is still as important now as it's ever been. I agree completely. And I think, you know, the book is filled with uh, so many examples, but like you said, it doesn't end on the negative aspect. There's a lot of hope in this. And we're, and I, we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But I think, um, you know, one of the quotes in the book, I think, you know, you did maybe just tell us, you did a lot of interviews. Just tell us briefly kind of the process you went through for your research and writing this this book. And then we'll get into some of the specifics. Well, that's a good question. Um, I actually did 23 interviews. I know that because I recorded the interview usually on Zoom. And uh, I would transcribe it and I would pull the quotes and I interviewed uh, some of these pastors like Cheon, um, Greg Farrington, who is right outside Sacramento. Uh, I focused a lot in California just because so much was going on. I also interviewed some of the lawyers, Matt Staver and others that I've mentioned And then I ran all 23 interviews as a podcast. In fact, I have a podcast called God and Cancel Culture that's had almost a million downloads. Um, People are interested in this. I wanted people to be able to find it uh, as a podcast. With My main podcast is called The Strang Report. And uh, I've got over 900 episodes and 16 million downloads. But I I didn't want to make it sound like I was just pushing my book. So that's why I had the separate podcast. So anyway, I know and pe- if people want to, uh, you know, um, the interviews lent themselves to a podcast, but I wasn't 
literally doing a podcast, if that makes sense. I, I generally do an introduction, explain to the listener what they're going to hear, and then they can kind of hear my research. I'm a journalist. I report on what is happening. I sort of know, you know, at least in a general way, uh, who's making things happen. And I reached out to them and talked to them. My new book is going to be much less journalistic and it's going to be much more personal of where I have seen the power of God as a journalist covering the spirit-filled community, you know, now for all these decades. I have lots and lots of stories. It's going to be a much more a personal kind of book and in some ways more difficult for me because I don't know about you, but uh, it's harder um, for me to reach down and to um, share my own feelings. In fact, as a journalist, you're trained not to even let people hardly know what your opinion is. You know, you've got to be just absolutely dispassionate, at least that is how I was trained, you know, fairness and and don't take one side over the other. A lot of that stuff is out the window now with right. with the press being uh, so biased toward the left. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, we could talk about that for a long time. And to some extent, I deal with that uh, in the book. In fact, I even say that in some ways I'm ashamed of uh, what the press has turned into. Um I started my career at the Orlando Sentinel. I'm I'm almost almost ashamed to tell people that because the Sentinel has turned into such a rag. And um, somebody asked me the other day if I subscribed to the Sentinel. I said, "No way, <laughs> no." Right. And that's true. Of course, I don't mean to malign those people. I'm sure they have good people down there. No one is down there that was down there when I worked there. I mean, there's been that. For one thing, I was in my early twenties, so you know most of the people of are no longer with us, but, um, times change back then, at least, you know, back then the press was liberal. They really were. Um, they were not friendly to the church. They were more friendly than now, or at least they would be a little bit more dispassionate. The Sentinel, for example, let me do an article on Catherine Coleman. It was written in, it was kind of an arm's length article, but it was, the headline was the incredible Catherine Coleman. And I wrote about one of her crusades and how people responded and claimed to be healed and all that stuff. They would never run an article like that today. Yeah. And yeah. well, and that's, you know, one of the things that I've always uh, been impressed with and appreciated about charisma and everything you're doing is not shying away from controversial topics or maybe topics that are giving a uh, shedding light on a position that's not the so-called politically correct mainstream media uh, position and, and all that's being pushed by the left. That's the so-called only acceptable one. And that's something that really has uh, attracted me to charisma and made me, you know, just this, and the idea of this, this spirit filled life, because that's what I'm trying to help people see is to be spirit led in their work, in their family, and now in culture and politics. And so I think that, uh, you know, that's sort of getting into this. Um, I think you interviewed Mario Murillo in the book, and or he was one of the interviews you had done. And he's, he mentioned, I think there was a quote in there, him about saying that, you know, we didn't really see or know how wimpy and divided and disconnected from reality the church was before COVID. And it sort of exposed all of that. 
and you know that that the church didn't preach the counsel of God to America and just wasn't fulfilling that role, which is which is what the way our nation was founded. Maybe could you just talk a little bit about uh, you know what what you what we should see the church doing? What should the pulpits be talking about? I mean, should they be talking about these politics and controversial things, or I mean, what role should they be playing in this? Well, I believe they should, and over the years, preachers have stood for righteousness going all the way back to the first awakening up through the civil, uh, the uh, revolutionary war. You know, there were uh, preachers who thundered against the tyranny of the crown and how we had to stand for liberty and those kinds of things. There are lots of stories, even of some of the founding fathers who were actually clergymen themselves. It was clergymen. It was the abolitionists. The abolitionists were Christians. They were the ones against slavery. They were. And if there were any that weren't actually churchgoers themselves, of course, back then being churchgoers, much more common in the culture, but they were influenced by the abolitionists uh, who are the ones who ended slavery. Uh, Lincoln himself was influenced by that. And we can come right down through history. Now, a lot of pastors are timid. Uh, churches tend to go liberal. There are some denominations. I hate to criticize specific denominations, but, you know, John and Charles Wesley were fiery um, uh, men of God who founded the Methodist Church. The Methodist Church is a shadow of what it was. It's yeah. become liberal, like almost all the other denominations. And I really think that a lot of the pastors that are quiet and timid is just kind of you know, they're, they're in the process of kind of going the same way. We need righteous people to stand up for righteousness. Now, Mario Murillo is a friend of mine, and, mo and not very many people know this, um, although it's not a secret, but I've known him since 1970. 1970, I was in college. He is a couple of years older than me. He, was all, he already had a very strong ministry in California, in the early days of radicalism at, at uh, Berkeley, University of California in Berkeley, he had a ministry called Resurrection City. I was powerfully influenced by Mario when I was 19 years old. I just was. And it's been kind of interesting to reconnect with him after all these years. Uh, he told me just really recently, in fact, I did a podcast with him on my Strang Report, that he would rail against these these pastors, actually, there are evangelical Christians, and evangelical means that basically you believe the Bible and you believe in salvation, you believe that Jesus is coming again, you know, the basics of the truth. But there are there are even so-called evangelicals who are going woke, who are who are embracing critical race theory, who are in, embracing uh, or at least including a lot of the gay agenda. Uh, things that are not scriptural at all. And he said he used to really rail against them. The thing is that the people he's railing against um, aren't, you know, there. They don't they don't hear him. They don't pay any attention to what Mario says. It's a little bit like, um, you know, being a, a, a speaker somewhere and there are a bunch of people that are late or maybe who didn't show up. And you're standing up there criticizing the people that didn't show up or the ones that are late, they never hear you anyway. But Mario says that he now takes a different stance in his meetings that he gets. There are a lot of brave uh, preachers like 
Greg Farrington and Cheon and the ones I've mentioned, a lot of others who are standing for righteousness, who did keep their churches open even during the uh, shutdown. And he encourages them. He also tells them, and uh, I actually did a story on this on uh, our charismanews.com website that, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't on the website. It's my column in the next issue of Charisma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually write on the website, but I just remember it was for my column in the issue that hasn't come out yet. He said he encourages these pastors in his meetings to stand up. And he says the place just goes crazy with applause because they're so proud of them. But he tells uh, pastors, he said, you go back to your churches, you announce that next Sunday, people need to bring all their friends because you are going to give a very clear presentation of the gospel and tell about the cost of serving Jesus. He said, your church will be packed and you'll have scores and maybe hundreds of people at the altar. He said, when you preach the gospel in an uncompromised way, even when you tell the people the cost of following Jesus, they respond. He says he's seen no one more open to the Lord in America since the days of the Jesus movement, which I remember because I'm that generation. But we had millions of hippies and former drug addicts come to Jesus. A lot of the Christians, uh, a lot of the Christian leaders of today actually came out of the Jesus movement. Um, And in some ways, I consider that I did too, because, uh, you know, we don't have time to go into my own testimony, but people are open. People are open, partly because things are such a mess. In fact, Jordan um, Peterson, the the psychologist and college professor from Canada, who's really a philosopher, the one who wrote uh, 12 uh, Rules for Living, um, a book I've read twice, Mm -hmm. uh, he did a video about... uh, two or three weeks ago, called a message to the Christian churches. And he addressed it to the Catholics, the Orthodox, and the Protestants. And and he talked about how young men in our culture, many of them are in their 20s and 30s, and they're adrift, they're not married, they live at home, they have no purpose in life. The culture tells them they need to almost be ashamed of being a male, that they're guilty of, of sexism and toxic masculinity, they should apologize for being a male. They should apologize for even wanting to hardly to, mar- to date a girl or marry her. He said, welcome these young men into your churches. You know, in, in the church, men are still men and women are women and getting married is a good thing. He said, put up a billboard. He said, these young men will flock to your churches. And I thought, why should a secular philosopher have to tell churches to do that. Now, we would add to that, you need to tell them about Jesus. But I just thought it was significant. It just shows what's happening in the culture. And so this is why I do what I do. It's why I'm writing this new book. Uh, it's why we give platform. A lot of what I do with Charisma Media is giving platform to others, including you know, our 250 podcasters like you. And many others, the in the two thousand books, uh, you know, some of the authors did more than one books, but it, it would be at least a thousand different authors we gave platform to. 
I think that that's very, very important. In fact, that's really what I've done in my career is telling other people's stories, telling about revivals that have happened. There are a lot of good things. Listen, the mainstream media doesn't want anyone to even hardly know that there's anything good going on in the church. This has been going on for decades. Now they hardly want anyone to know that anyone's conservative, that anyone mm-hmm. is standing up to the vaccine mandates or that they're standing up to the school boards or anything like that. And if you do stand up, they want to make you sound like a pariah, like you should just be eliminated, you know, from the culture. I mean, it's getting vicious. It's getting it's getting horrible. But you know what? The Bible explains this. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. These are not the people that are standing up being vicious or the people in the media or the other institutions that are being so anti-God, even Gavin Newsom. He's not the problem. And I'll just end with this scripture. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and uh, rulers and evil powers in high places. There is a spiritual dimension and a spiritual world that is more real than the world that we know. And you've got to, your eyes have to be opened by the Spirit of God to even understand what I just said. Well, we found a breaking point. I hope it makes you want to listen to the rest of it. We started to really drill down on some controversial things. That's why it went so long. We didn't intend to go 51 minutes. We only intended to go 20 or 25 minutes, but I guess I was on a roll. Uh, Ryan's a good interviewer, and because we're friends, I felt very relaxed and It was kind of fun being on the other side of the microphone. So I invite you to get a copy of my book. The easiest way is to go to my own website. It's stevestrangbooks.com. That's my name, Steve Strang, and books with an S, all pushed together as if it's one word, stevestrangbooks.com. You can actually get it, as I said in the podcast, for half price, and it's signed And there's also a a little pull-down bar where you can buy my previous books and even some offers for a bundle. And there's some videos to watch. There's the endorsements. I think you'll like it. Let me know what you think of my website. The staff kind of put it together so it makes it easy when I do media interviews like this to just tell people, stevestrangbooks.com. Tune in again either on The Strang Report or God and Cancer Culture. It'll be the same thing to get the second half of my interview with Ryan Howard. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Strang Report with Stephen Strang. Stay up to date with the latest episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and at cpnshows.com. Get the latest reports delivered directly to your inbox by subscribing at strangreport.com.